to the show everyone i apologize if i sound a little nasally i'm getting over a sinus infection so if you're wondering why i sound like an asshole that's why my next guest appeared on the show last season season three episode 18 he is my friend and your favorite artist this is dj danny vintage danny vintage thanks for stopping by bro appreciate it man what's up brother good to be back yeah, what's going on, man? It's been it's been a couple months since we last chatted. What's going on in the world, man? Oh, you know the same old stuff. Been a crazy couple months. Yeah, yeah. We were talking a little bit. I don't know what happened, but um, hope everything's all right with you, bro. Yeah, everything's good. Just uh, <laughs> I had a loss of my family. My uncle passed, and he was big into the influentialness of me playing music. Oh, so. Man. I thought I had it handled, and then, damn, it, I, I, yeah, I hit that wall. <laughs> it's one of the, yeah, gr- grieving comes in a bunch of different ways, right? Like you, you think you got it under control, and then the next minute you're like, everything just falls apart. And I mean, can you ever be ready for loss? I don't know. What do you think? No, I mean, sometimes. Okay, so this one we were kind of ready for because yeah, we found out. And I think it was late August, September that he had a uh, he had cancer, right? So we knew it wasn't good. And then they said, "All right, well, it's spread, so there's nothing we can do." After they already tried chemo, so they're yeah. basically like, "Yeah, he's he's gonna pass here soon." So then he went into uh, hospice, and like two weeks into hospice, he was gone. So it was. It was actually pretty quick. How old was he? He was 78. So he said even himself, he was like, you know, I've lived a good life. He's like, I've been pretty healthy up until this point. So I can't really be too mad. But then it started affecting his body. And then you could just tell he was not having a good time. I tried to get out there to see him. But, you know, scheduling and stuff wasn't really easy. I had had some weddings that I still had to do. Right. So getting through those and trying to stay sharp and playing another show on top of that was not the easiest thing ever. How do you, Oh man, especially a wedding dude, you're going through a loss. It's like the complete opposite. It's night and day. Yeah. You see everyone being super happy and you're just like, yeah, miserable as shit. That's but they wild. were, they were friends of mine. So, you know, right. Right. What, they what, kind was of your, what was your mind at when you were at the, when you were at the wedding? Like, is all you can think about was your uncle? Like how, how he's deteriorating pretty fast. And then like this wedding here, like people are just starting their life there. I mean, I'm pretty good with like, you know, switching, hitting yeah. a switch when it comes to playing and I kind of tune out a lot of stuff, yeah. but there's moments like I play certain songs and I'd be like, Oh man, especially during like dinner cocktail hour, we were playing all the oldies stuff that he got me into like Elvis and the uh, Everly brothers and stuff like that. And I was just like, ah, damn it. How was he influential with you? 
um, well, he was on the Pittsburgh side of my mom's family, even though, so basically it's a confusing story. So I'll try to make it quick. So my, my dad had a foreign exchange student from Brazil that lived with them in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, when my dad was in high school, they stayed close. They all stayed friends, which is how my sister and I ended up getting adopted from Brazil. It's because they were like, they found out my mom couldn't have kids. So they're like, you should go to Brazil, adopt these kids. Um, I mean, we were four years apart, but they're like, you know, there's a lot of kids in Brazil that need to be adopted. You guys should go there. So they went there. And then obviously my sister and I joined their family. And so my dad had a sister named Audrey who married my uncle Bernie. And they lived in, they met in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, and then ended up moving to Pittsburgh. Yeah. And then my mom ended up having to move to Pittsburgh and her and my dad met. And that's how they, you know, became and they got married. So my aunt and uncle were pretty influential in my music early. He would play shows all the time. So there was one time in Pittsburgh, he was playing a show and they're like, you can't bring him in there. I was five. Understandably, you know, you can't bring a kid into a bar, but <laughs> they definitely tried. And they're like, no, he's like, well, like that. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's like, I'm not playing this show unless he can come in. <laughs> Hell yeah. Which was cool. Yeah. And he's like, well, you can play on the patio. So my uncle just did this acoustic show on the patio and he'd always let me play like harmonica for him. At that time, I probably was not in tune, but it's just it, that was like kind of what got it started. That so was my, like the the first moment. Yeah, and my mom's side of the family wow. was from Pittsburgh, so I'd go visit my cousins out there, and then I'd go visit my dad's side with my aunt and uncle. So there was a lot of Pittsburgh family there. My mom's uh, father and mother lived out there, so my grandma and grandpa. We would always do Christmas out in Pittsburgh for pretty much since I was like four to. I think like 13 mm. and my family's always been pretty musical, but my uncle was the one who, you know, drove me into playing and was always, he bought me my first guitar. As uncle Bernie. Yeah. We'd, uh, he always called us like the beast brothers because he was always uncle beast. <laughs> so his car was the beast mobile. So anytime I got to ride in it, it was super cool. <laughs> what was he driving? Nothing cool. It was like an old, like, <laughs> it was an old, uh, what was it? Chevy, I think at one point it was a Chevy Impala. The Impalas are cool. Then it was the old school Chevy Malibu, I think. <laughs> so it, it wasn't anything like outrageous. Did you guys remain close? Like oh, yeah. to the entirety? Yeah. <clears throat> it's funny because anytime I'd post shows in the last couple of years on Facebook, he'd always be like, man, this is so cool. This is awesome. Like, you're doing a great job. So he was like, other than my parents, one of my biggest supporters for the That's music. That's awesome. Which was yeah. cool. That's good, man. I mean, you had that. That's cool. That's great. You yeah, I'm very fortunate for the time. Yeah, you're able to pass that down now. Like, what you saw, that's the, that's the shame with a lot of people is they don't get that. So they don't know how to pass it down to their next generation, you know? And you got that. So you're able to pass that torch. Yeah, it was really cool to be able to have that. And, you know, he at my parents, well, my dad's side, family reunion in Indiana, um, we would always, there'd be a bunch of my cousins who were older than me. They were like way older. They're like second cousins and everything. 
and they would all bring their guitars. So at our family reunion, it was just a bunch of music, everyone singing together, and it was just a really good time. Do you and write then, music? I do. You do? Yeah. I write a lot of like lyrics, and I've written a couple of songs with some friends. I'm working on a new project coming out with uh, two of my buddies. It's going to be my first Danny Vintage record. So what are the inspirations when you're writing a song? Like, well, this this big death in your family, I mean, it's very intimate. I'd imagine that is going to be pretty um, gravitational, like a giant pull is going to come to that. Yeah, I think the last two years as a whole have been just a lot going on. So I think a lot of that will be channeled through. I mean, he's in a lot of what I do anyway. True. You're right. Right. So, I mean, obviously he'll, I'll have like, you know, odes to him and it kind of sucks that the last couple of years, I mean, it doesn't suck cause it has been good, but the last couple of years with weddings and then touring and shows, I wasn't able to go to my family reunions. So I didn't get to like hang out with all them and get that music ah, and all that stuff. So yeah. that's one of those, you know, you gotta, sometimes there's beautiful things you gotta miss sometimes in order to, you know, do business stuff. When you did you see him in hospice or no? No. Um, so I was actually getting ready to go out there and because we were gearing up, I had a show coming up for my birthday and we were gearing up for that. And then he passed away the Saturday before that. Mm. And then obviously the services were the next week and I had another wedding on uh that Friday so didn't work out the way i wanted to i like having real people on this podcast i'm not saying like my previous people aren't real obviously they are but like people that i kicked it with before and just have real conversations with like a lot of my conversations are like um like for instance the last conversation i had was about atlantis so Mm -hmm. like this guy was super super fucking smart had a phd and just like out of my class but it's nice when I get to kick it with you. We just talk about real shit. Like this shit resonates with me. Like this is this is real stuff that everyone goes through. You know, like you can't avoid people in your life like dying. You just can't avoid it. So it's like, how do you prepare for that? What are the preparations? I mean, like, have you ever? I mean, I'm sure you have. You thought about dying. Um, it's going to be like, or like, where's your mind go? Yeah. When I was younger, I used to think about it all the time. Yeah. And I'd be like, Oh, I got to do all this shit before I die. So like, you know, like validate yourself kind of. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I gotta get married. I gotta have the kids. Gotta have like all that. Uh, And now that I'm 35, I'm kind of in this, well, 36 now. Sorry. I just have a birthday. (laughs) (laughs) Happy birthday. I'm already, I'm already keeping to the last year number. Um, so your brain's already going on you, man. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so when I turn thirty six, this it's the last two years have been a different vibe. Uh, I've had to do a lot with like figuring out what my triggers are as far as like anxiety stuff that I have. Yeah, and then just trying to stay on top of a super busy schedule and still try to make time for friends and. You know, all that. And so, like, death sometimes doesn't really come on my mind because there's so many other things. But I feel like I always wonder, like, you know, 
what everybody wonders what happens after this and making sure that I get all the things done that I want to do. And, you know, life is just crazy. You never know when, you know, one day will be your last. Yeah. So you're put in this weird predicament, right? Like, should you live life fast because you're not promised tomorrow or should you like invest and do it slow? I don't think there's a right answer. Everyone's like entitled to their own opinion and how they're going to do it. But it's just, it's really strange because we don't know the answer. Like, I don't know when I'm going to die. You don't know. No one knows. People think I live my life pretty quick, but I, I don't live it as quick as people think. Like, I make a point to do things that I enjoy. Like, I love playing, but playing has also become kind of almost like a competition. Like, every weekend that I play, I want to have, like, a better show than I did the week before. I want to have bigger crowds, people, like, enjoy it more. And, you know, sometimes that drive and that focus takes away from friendships like yeah makes dating super impossible right so i think this year i've really tried harder and scaling it back in the sense of like looking at all the relationships that i have that are very important and making sure that i'm still like putting water on those and not ignoring those and i think just staying in touch with good friends and family also helps with like my anxiety issues and stuff like that. That helps. Friends help. Yeah, you need a close circle. I mean, fuck, dude. Let's be honest. Life is hard to navigate. <laughs> like, there's no directions to this shit. When I was, I don't know, maybe like eight or nine years old, I couldn't wait to get a fucking car. I couldn't wait to turn 16 to start driving. And then when I was 16, I couldn't wait to turn 21 to start drinking. And it's like... I don't know, man. You just well, you get forward. hyped up for like all those next big thing, like oh, yeah, all be... these milestones, right? Yeah, then you get to thirty six, and you're like, shit. Then what? What's <sighs> fuck, man? Yeah, I don't know. Something weird happens when you hit your thirties. I think something changes. I maybe it's the thirties, or maybe it was me having a kid. I don't know. Maybe it was maybe it was both. I don't know. Did something click in your head at all, like when you turned 30? 30 was a little bit kind of like, oh, man, there goes my 20s. (laughs) The DJ thing has been great, but I wish I would have started the DJ portion of it way earlier. When did you start? I started the DJ stuff in 2015. Okay, I mean, but what if you would have started last week? You know what I mean? Like that's very true. At least you got that. At least you started yeah. in 2015. Could be, could be way I, later. Well, 2015 was a crazy time because I had just gotten out of a four-year relationship with uh, the woman that I was pretty sure I was going to marry. Oof. Yeah. But things just didn't go how we thought they were going to go, and we tried working it out and a bunch of other stuff. But sometimes with relationships and stuff like that. You just get to a point where you realize it's just not going to work. That's a tough realization. Yeah. I've, you know, <laughs> That's that a cool, man. <laughs> I mean, I didn't date for like two years after that. And yeah. I dated another person on and off for like two years after, like two years after that two years. Do you start comparing? Like, because you thought you had found the one and then it's like when you start dating from after that, is everything a comparison? Um. Yes and no. Because my, the ex that I dated first, 
that was just a different life. Like I wasn't yeah. in bands anymore. Right, right. I wasn't right. really doing bar stuff. I'd taken a break because I had just done Penny Road for a couple of years and I had done uh, stage managing. So we had worked with like Red Jumpsuit Apparatus um, in this moment. Uh, I, uh, I Prevail and a bunch of other you know, metal bands that were first starting to come out then. So that was this crazy life. And then I met her and she didn't want that. So I became a church every Sunday drummer of, in the church band kind of guy. Really? Holy did. shit. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> it was, I mean, at the beginning it was super cool. Of course, man. Yeah. I got rebaptized. Wow. Yeah. And then she just wasn't big into the bar scene because it just wasn't her her thing you know she was devoted to family and church and stuff and then hey I man mis- some of those churchgoers love to fucking drink though yes that's true <laughs> well, i mean you know a lot of, i think the biggest misconception with churches is everybody forgets that the reason you're there is you know forgiveness for for sinning and you know doing that whole deal if that's what you believe in yeah or or you don't i don't really have a gripe with anyone with whatever they believe i think it's cool as long as you you know good to others but same yeah we we broke up and it was a weird time for a bit and i got back into playing shows and then the dj thing happened the next year and uh i mean actually at that time uh mark estes and i started doing the dj drum thing and that for real saved my life at the time because i was super depressed and just like you know, because at that time, because even of though breakup? I was, yeah, because even though at that yeah. time I was only like, I think it was, I was 27 or 28. It felt like the end of the world to me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like, I was like oh, shit. No one's going to ever date me again. This is awful. Well, dude, you put a lot into that relationship is what it seems. I mean, did you get rebaptized because of the conversations you had with her? Like, was, was that? Well, I came involved in the church pretty good. Like, the church became like, okay, okay. Family and a big part of my life. Gotcha. And I enjoyed it. I mean, I would, I would always get mad because, like, I'd miss the first quarter of the Bears game because I would drive all the way to Elgin. <laughs> Not missing anything, dude. <laughs> I know. Well, this was when they were kind of okay. I'd, I'd drive, I would drive all the way to Elgin, go to church, and then drive to Woodstock to go to work. Yeah. So it was just – but, I mean, th- those times were good times. and I don't, I don't look back at them and say, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that or anything. And in, But playing music and getting back into that really – helped me out through that time. And then I started dating um, my ex after that, I think 2018, I'm pretty sure, maybe the end of 2017. And, you know, that was a pretty close relationship as well. But it was also at a hard time because I was just starting to do the DJ thing and I was coming up doing the DJ thing and like coming up doing that and having a relationship is kind of hard to manage because, like, there's all these things happening at once. And, like, I was getting some bad advice from some people. <laughs> Either you're, um, you're close friends at the time? Uh, it's not even just close friends. It's other people in the industry and other people were ah, just like, okay. like, oh, man, you can't put that you have a girlfriend on Facebook. You know, they're, Oof. people will like, yeah, people won't like you as much. That happens a lot, doesn't it? A lot of people like to keep that shit on the down low so their popularity can spike and people will still like look at them as, I don't know, like 
what what is that there's a chance that they can be with someone that's a musician or a celebrity yeah for sure and then luckily for me i matured and realized that that was very stupid that's wild but it was at the point in our relationship though where things were kind of taking a turn and yeah communication wasn't as great i mean i obviously have nothing bad to say about her you know it was a big part of my life at the time so you know that another thing where it just doesn't work out but it happened in a way that i wasn't expecting so she was staying at my house a bunch basically living here for about a year and a half and it ended in a non-favorable way and it triggered some weird thing in me that brought up some like what my doctor said was anxiety from when I was a kid and they don't know where or what triggered it exactly. But so the anxiety hasn't appeared until this moment. Yeah. 2018 is when it started. I didn't have it really before. I was always anxious. Right. And like an overthinker. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd always kind of had depression a little bit my whole life. Right. But it was never like super forefront of my mind. And then this changed it where it was hard for me to do anything. Ugh, like damn. I would, I would try to do DJ shows on Friday and Saturday. And this is, this is kind of gross. So sorry for everyone listening. I like would just projectile vomit before I played. Cause I get so like anxious and nervous and weird, which is weird. Cause I'd never done that before. Like playing shows thoughts? to me was second nature. What were the thoughts going through your head that would make you throw up like that? Like was the room spinning or was it just, no, I think I was just in my head a lot. And I was just like, at the time, I was still like, you know, I was DJing at the home bar. We both lived in the same town. Yeah. So I was just seeing her all the time. So, you know, like I didn't really have time to like mentally have my space to heal. It was just like a constant thing. And was it like, like a, a feeling of loss. I think it was just like my mind just was very like okay this is how we're doing this thing and then everything changed and then there was kind of like an on and off thing for a little bit there so like no structure yeah there was no like hey this is this and i mean a lot of it i think is if i would have earlier been like hey forget what these people are saying i'm gonna post about Ah, it anyway yeah 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 you know, there's a lot of, I think those are, that's like with a lot of relationships that you have, you go back and you're like, oh shit, I should have done that. Oh, of course. Or I should have done this, but it was just a part of how I was growing at the time. But the anxiety thing definitely fucked me up. Yeah, man. It's when you look at shit retrospective, it's, it's an unfair game to play because in the past, dude, you like, everyone is literally a different fucking person. Like you are not the same person two years ago. There's no way you weren't like the shit that you were doing like day to day, the shit you were reading, the people you were talking to, those were all different. So you yourself are a different person in the that music moment. you're into. Yeah. The music you're into everything, right? It's a different world, completely different. So it's, it's just an unfair game, but I mean, we all do it. Like we all, like, dude, I wish that I could, I wish I would have picked up hockey earlier, you know, when I was like five. Yeah. Like I, I love hockey now. Why didn't I love it back then? Well, I was a different person back then. I fucking hated it. I couldn't skate. It was hard. I didn't like it. Yeah. Man. Yeah. It's just, it's an unfair game to play. It's, it's a trip fucking, for sure. It's complex being a human, bro. Well, I remember one New Year's <laughs> Eve right after it had happened, I was playing at DC Cobbs McHenry 
and they had just opened and they were like super cool like when they first opened that was like the first dj to ever play on like their rooftop and you know i got to do a bunch of cool stuff there so i was doing new year's and they had just redone the outside area so it was going to be like we were outside but inside like underneath everything that they had there and it was insulated and warm so i was like super excited for that and i was like oh you know this is awesome and some of my old friends from high school like actually came to the show Dope, and man. i just couldn't focus and oh. i was just projectile vomiting before i got on oh, and like yeah. They're all like, oh, you want to have a drink or whatever? And I like couldn't even drink anything because I was just so whatever. And then in others, you know, in other times I was kind of just like, okay, you know, I drank a little bit to try to like offset, you know, the anxiety. Right. And that would help for a little bit. And then that would make things 10 times worse. When would it make it worse? Like, because make, you... I would overdo it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, not to the point where I wasn't like sitting at my house drinking a bottle by myself i'd just be out with friends and stuff and i'd be like not eating because i'd be so nervous and then i, I would mean, just drink on an empty stomach and then it just get weird and then there's these coping mechanisms that we find that like they help but it's just it's a band-aid so like what are you doing now to kind of alleviate that anxiety well i mean like i said it's kind of been a journey because like right after that I got a little bit better and then I got the offer to do the Bubba Sparks stuff. Yeah. And then my buddies literally made me catch the plane to go down there the next day because my anxiety was so bad. And I was just like, oh, fuck. Fuck. Yeah. Because, like, it was a big deal because I was going down to play with Alexander King and uh, Bubba Sparks. And, you know, Yellow Wolf has been a gigantic inspiration in my life. Yeah. And they, and they had both done you know, albums with him. So it was just like, I was finally getting into that community that I wanted to be in, but I was flying to a house that I've never been at in my entire life with people I've never met before. Yeah. Yeah. To literally try to figure this out. Damn. And then that turned into, you know, going on tour and playing all over the country with them. And then, you know, the drummer that joined us is one of my best friends now. So like little things like that were great. There was a lot of anxiety moments while playing, and there was just some other turbulent times during the tours and playing, where at one point I was just kind of like, for my well-being, I just kind of traveled everywhere by myself, and I would just either like drive there or fly there and play the shows, hang out, you know, sign stuff if people wanted me to, and then come back home, and usually coming back home would be like, you know, your relief or saving grace. But at the time it wasn't because it was like, I'd play here. I'd see like, you know, either my ex or I'd see like other things that made me get inside my head. And then people would start fights with me all the time. Like I would come home and I'd go to like a local bar and someone would be like, Oh, you know, you're playing with blah, blah, blah. And just like, start talking, like just saying stupid comments about them when they Fuck like those people. I know that's what I said because like <laughs> right because like they didn't even know the artist I was playing with but they were like they're like oh you're just gonna play Miss New Booty for the rest of your life and shit I'm like I'm like fuck you dude at least Bro, I'm those like, are people that are just they're so mad that their life hasn't like gone the way they intended it to do and they see you like actually making some moves and you're developing and it's just it's one of those things man it happens all the time it's like the people on the fucking internet they're just so miserable that they leave like negative comments and try and look for 
someone to to get engaged with so they they feel something i guess i don't know these people are just so miserable that they want to bring you to their level that's what it seems like and it's like hey fuck you like you're not like you know on the road with us you're not flying with us you're not yeah on stage with us seeing like the cool shit and the cool interaction we're having with people like the thing that helped my anxiety out a lot honestly was like a lot of those fans in that in that genre were just super great that's awesome And, and they'd be like oh man, like this is huge for me in my life, like meeting you guys. And then it would just make you realize that everything's so much bigger and you're just like, holy shit, like I'm just this dude yeah, from Crystal Lake and someone's telling me all over the US that they're like excited to see me and like, you know, and they're happy that I'm playing with like one of their favorite artists. Like, because you know, you sometimes you feel like just one of the background dudes, but the fans there made you feel very important. And it actually led to me meeting my friend Wade who um, ended up playing with the last four years, even through COVID. And, you know, the bond between me, him, and our drummer, Jeff, that I met doing the Bubba Spark stuff is they're like my brothers, you know. We're super, super close. And, you know, we're now at a point where we talk a lot about anxiety and, you know, like there's what we call talk therapy. Yeah. Talking it out and just saying what you're going through because we've, gone through a lot as even just us three the last like four years oh man talking helps so much it's, i think it's underrated i don't think people understand how much it helps man like the podcast i mean this shit helps me i mean i mean fuck man after covid like a lot of shit changed bro like i've been through some shit too and this stuff having conversations and just learning about people and like telling my story i mean dude it's helped so much you learn so much about yourself and like people like you bro when you come on it's like damn like you get such a different perspective i mean you you can't just live this life with your own perspective you cannot you won't get anywhere man yeah and covid was a wild time in itself like because my train was rolling pretty good like we were just had done a couple tours and then you know i was doing the wade wade b stuff which is great. Like I had so much fun. We played this place called um, Rednecks with Paychecks two years in a row. <laughs> we were there. That was the, that's a whole other podcast story in its in its own. Right. <laughs> Those people in Texas are are nutty, but it's beautiful. It was like shout out Texas. <laughs> it, dude, it was so great. Just and it, like the people who worked there were so awesome and yeah. so nice because like you know it was just it was just. I don't know. It was like crazy, beautiful, awesome moonshine and rednecks and just monster trucks and just craziness. So it was, it was a really good time. And then we got home, we got back and then COVID hit and all my shows and weddings for that summer got canceled. That's fucked. So like, I bought yeah, a- man. You had all that momentum going and all of a sudden just ripped out. Yeah. I bought a motorcycle. I was like super excited about it. And then COVID happened and I was like, told my buddy I bought it from. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to have to give it back to you. (laughs) I'm like, I just lost 15,000 overnight. So, oh God, I'm going to, yeah, but COVID honestly was great though. And not great, but like it was good in some retrospects. Cause like we still played shows. Like we toured the South that were and the places that were still open. Right. Yeah. 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 And then the time that I was actually home, cause I hadn't really been home for like the last four years and I wasn't like having to be out home out in the bar and like with tons of people, 
I was at my apartment just like relaxing and like kind of I needed that downtime to kind of chill my brain out and just just get some introspect, man. Relax, which I haven't had until I broke my leg like a couple months ago. That's right. That was kind of like another refresher. But I mean, playing with those guys really helped. Because like, if you think of, if I want to talk about the anxiety thing, really, after like it started, it got better. And then certain things made it come back. And then I had on and off kind of things with it. But it's funny because anxiety to me, when I was younger and I was in my 20s and early 30s, since I didn't have it, yeah, and I'd have like bartenders or other people that I was working with have it all the time, I'd just be like, what the fuck? Like, suck it up. Like, oh, yeah. come on. Yeah. yeah. And then it happens to you and you're just like, oh. Yeah. Kind of. Man, I was an asshole. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. It. it I've been through so much, man. Like I, <laughs> I, I will not judge anyone on what the fuck they say that they're going through. Cause I know how fucking bad it can get, dude. I used to be addicted to Xanax, man. And when I was, when I ran out of Xanax, like you want to talk about withdrawals and panic attacks. I mean, this shit lasted for fucking years you go to the deepest part of your mind that you don't even know exists like everyone that's listening you don't know that this part of your mind exists it does do not find it like if you have a brain it exists it's there it's fucking horrible man like your brain just backfires it's it's so crazy it's the worst shit and depression is too man like depression feels like like a an octopus or something has it sucks suction cups on you and just sucking your energy away from you. Like you don't want to get out of bed. You don't want to do shit. And for someone that doesn't have anxiety or depression, it'll just, they'll just look at you and be like, man, fuck all that. Just get up. Just go do something. Stop being lazy. You know, stop being in a bad mood It's way deeper than that. It's way- re- yeah, go ahead. No, I agree with you. It's like, yeah. it's the deepest and it's hard to like overcome it. I remember sitting in the doctor's office when my doctor's office, uh, my doctor came out and he was like, yeah, so you have severe social anxiety, which is insane because I play music for a living. That is insane. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, you have severe social anxiety. He's like, you have severe anxiety disorder and you have uh, major depressive disorder, which I think a lot of the diagnosis for the depression part was just where I was at in my life and just going through some things. Definitely. Yeah. Cause like, I think I've always had depression, but I've been able to like, I guess, I mean, a therapist would probably hate me right now, but (laughs) just like, I'd be able to cope with it compared to like how it was. What do you think a therapist would say? Like, why, why wouldn't that be okay? Well, I've seen one and so why aren't your methods okay? Like, is well, there, we is got there... more into we got more into that because I don't. I started taking Zoloft, yeah, and I felt like a zombie. I hated it; didn't feel like myself, so I stopped taking it. And they were just like, "Well, you got to wait six months for your, it to like kick in, and then you feel normal." And I'm just like, I think I'm just going through a really shitty time in my life right now, and I just need to like. There's something wrong for sure. Yeah, but I think I can mentally go through it. And then, you know, I tried doing that for a while and then just realizing things that trigger me. 
and staying away from those have really helped. And I mean, like, sorry, go ahead. Do you think that the Zoloft was doing something because you felt like a zombie? I don't, I don't like, those are the stories I hear all the time about depression when people get on Zoloft, like they're just, I don't know, just, they are, that's it. Like you just are. I think it was just like, it was helping a little bit, but it just made me feel so groggy and so shitty all the time. And I'm like always on the move and it made me not want to leave my bed. And then I got into this phase for a little bit where like I'd come home. It's stressful. Like I'd work during the week. I'd do fly dates on the weekend, play these shows, you know, for anywhere for a couple hundred people or like, you know, bad night, like less than that or a great night, you know, a couple thousand. And then I'd come home and you have like this moment when you come home from playing shows and being with, you know, your guys and everything where you get like, a little bit of depression because you're just like doing such, you know, things that you love. And it's so awesome that you get home and you're just kind of like, Oh shit. So I would get like shit from other people. Like, like people, like I said, would try to start fights or like just say stupid comments. Yeah. And I'd just be tired from flying or driving. I'd go into like a two day bender. Oh yeah. And then that, (laughs) and then that shit, that was, that was one of the biggest things about, figuring out my triggers was like, okay, benders don't work for me, bro. <laughs> no, I, cause I did the same shit, man. I had to fucking cut all of that shit out of my life because when I came off of it, bro, like the, the next two weeks or whatever, I was just in such a bad place. And I yeah. mean, fuck man, I never want to be back there ever. Oh God. It's I call so it bad. demon mode. Like I was in the hospital a couple of times, just like, drinking too much and i just start throwing up so much plus the anxiety on top of it dude the anxiety from like hangovers or whatever it is i don't know your body screaming for nutrition i don't know what it is but yeah demon seems pretty accurate oh god damn i don't miss it (laughs) no i mean i still like i'll get in like a mini one every now and again sure but that's just like letting off steam for me yeah, yeah, you can manage Which, it. I mean, back in the day, dude, these people fucking go nuts. Just go back in the day, I did not manage it well. I no, was just hell like, man. I was like, all right, we're gonna do a bunch of Jameson shots. So I'm gonna get super fucked up and just pretend like <laughs> all the things that are making me super mad aren't. Until I got to one time, one of my friends is actually, um, she works for you know the call center for when you call. Like she's a nine one one operator. Oh yeah. And I was just texting her one night after I just got home from one of my last tours. And it was after I threw my music festival too. Cause that was like, didn't work out how we wanted to. We lost like 10 grand. So I was like super depressed about it for a couple of weeks. And the city I live in wasn't exactly cool about it. Oof. So it was just a, it was just a lot hard, like thing to go through, which is stupid in hindsight. Cause there were so many people that like, loved it and i had people fly out from like all different places of the country to come to it yeah but like a dumbass i did it in the middle of country thunder and um (laughs) one of woodstock's biggest events that they have every year i was like you know it'll be fine like that crowd isn't really the crowd that would come and then i realized maybe they are but anyway (laughs) so i was just dealing with that i was losing my shit you know it's just like a lot of pride stuff and just wanting something so bad to work and like 
we had just talked to Yellow Wolf and he was really close to playing it. So I was going to literally have Yellow Wolf playing out like underneath my apartment window outside yeah. of the bar that I helped like build up. That so would have been fucking nuts. It would have been great. It would have been like the best moment of my life. But it didn't work out. So I got super depressed. And I was like back in kind of that like bender phase. Yeah. And I was like talking to my friend and she was just like, well, what's going on? And she's like, I'm like, I don't know, man. I'm like, I'm just super down. And she's like, well, do you still want to live here? And I'm like, like, like on earth. And I'm, oh, like, okay. I'm like, I don't really care one way or the other. Right. And so she got super scared. So she called some of, of the local police, which actually not a lot of people know this story. But uh, the call of the police, they did a wellness check to make sure I wasn't going to yeah, do some some things. But I talked to them and I was just I explained like the situation, what I was going through. And they were very receptive and they got what I was talking to, like talking about and understood why I would be so stressed out and like all that other stuff. And then I talked to my doctor and a therapist about it and worked my way through it. And then I kind of decided, you know what? I'm going to not get to that point again. Man, permanent solutions for temporary problems, right? Yeah. And it's just like so many things were happening at one time. Like, you know, and getting older and then touring and playing music too, you just like, especially when we were out, you never know when it's going to be your last tour or when it's going to be like the last time you get to do something like that. It's very unpredictable and very like all over the place. So, you know, you you get scared. Like, what am I going to do after music's over? Like, who am I going to be? Like, I mean, even this year I got scared. I was like, okay, are these kids that are 21, 22, 23, and 24 even going to give a shit about, like, any of my Danny Vintage stuff from the past? Or are they going to be like, who's this old dude just playing, like, 2,000 jammers all the time? How do you see it going? What do you think? Uh, like, I thought i was doomed and i'd be super screwed but luckily a lot of the kids that come to where i play they've been really cool and they like it and i've learned a lot of like you know new songs and new stuff that they like so it's kind of like helping each other out to make sure the night goes where we want to make it and you know there's been you know two of my you know two people that came to my shows that i've become friends with since that are like always there and they always make everything's so fun so that helps out with like the anxiety stuff all the time so like when they're there i'm like okay cool that's this dope is man gonna be, this is gonna be cool you appreciate your fans and the supporters i mean it could be it can go either way man like when you start getting supporters it makes you feel wonderful but there are times like a lot of people will will take that and then boost up their ego and kind of just like shit on their fans and be like, yeah, you need me because I make great shit. Yeah, I never get that. Like for me, I'm just happy that like one person says like, hey, man, I liked your set. I'm like, oh, shit, that's awesome. You think but, it'd be the same if you had, let's say, like five million fans? Yeah, I don't think I would change with that because like. I mean, I like I came out with my own beer for a little bit that sold really well. And then I had like my t-shirts, my, uh, I had like yoga pants. I had like hoodies, those all sold out. So, you know, I, if it wasn't for the people who come out to the shows with the Wade stuff or when I was doing the Bubba Spark stuff or doing my stuff or the Mark stuff, 
if it wasn't for those people coming out, I don't know if I'd still be alive. <laughs> Man, if you like, you have five million fans, and then you just get these people that come up. Dan, Dan, yo, Dan, listen, listen, come here, Dan, Dan. Your shit's amazing, bro. Your shit is fucking amazing. This shit will sell out. Listen, you don't need you don't need these fucking people. Fuck these guys, Dan. Come yeah. here. Sign this. Sign this line right here, man. I'll take care of you. You'll get all the merchandise. We'll give you a, a million dollar signing bonus right now. We'll travel around the world. Fuck these guys, Dan. Come on. Come on. What do I you mean, say, Dan? I mean, that shit's happened, but on a smaller scale, obviously, because like there's not like that many people. But I've had fucking people. crazy world, man. That's the music industry sometimes. Like they tr- from what I've seen, I mean, is that pretty accurate? Sometimes that happens. Dude, when I'm touring, people want to talk to me all the time. <laughs> when I'm home for a long period of time, they're just like, oh, look at this this scrub. <laughs> they're just like, fuck this guy. But And a lot of people were like that. A lot of people just wanted to hang out because, you know, I was doing certain things or, you know, that, that really teaches you how, like, who your friends are and, like, what environments you want to be in. Yeah. I mean, it was never, like, anything absurd or astronomical about, like, Stuff, but like I said, people would try to start bar fights all the time, or they would talk shit, or they would, you know, talk shit about my style. Be like, "Why do you wear the rings? Why do you try to look like Yellow Wolf? Are you trying to be Yellow Wolf?" Like all this kind of shut stuff. up, bitch. <laughs> and it'd be, but I would get it all the time. So like, imagine hearing that every weekend for like six years. You're just like, dude, shut the fuck up. Who gives a shit, man? Why are they so concerned about what you're wearing? Like, be concerned about like what art you're you're performing and how that sounds you know like what you're doing you're creating something yeah i don't go to their work and be like hey asshole why are you wearing this or why are you doing that you've been wearing those khakis for four fucking days you loser (laughs) (laughs) but so it just got crazy with that and like that was a mental health thing too where like there would be some times where people were just giving me so much shit and criticizing everything I'd be like, fuck this. I'm not playing. I've quit DJing three times. My friends always laugh because they say I do it every year. I'm What's just the like, reason behind it? Because of the, the people get to you? Yeah, people get to me. And people then just mean. like, I think it's a mix between like people getting to me, not seeing my family as much as I would want to and friends and missing out on like, you know, weekends and stuff like that. Because essentially, since 2015, I've played a show every weekend except for breaking my leg and COVID. And in COVID, we just toured the Southern States. So I was still playing like almost every weekend. So that's just, I've missed out on a lot of like friends that have had kids and, yeah, you know, a lot of those relationships aren't as tight as they were, which sucks ass, dude. Like a lot of times, like if, so some of my friends, if you are end up listening to this, just know that I do think about you often, like, just because I don't see you often or we don't talk as much. There's so many people that I always think of that also help out with my creative without even knowing it. But another thing that I've been trying to get through uh, lately is I've gotten into now that I'm like not touring, I've not comfortable, but I've enjoyed being at my apartment more. Yeah. Which for a while was like my place of anxiety because like, I used to share it. I used to share it with somebody or like I would mm. or I'd be playing downstairs all the time because like the bar that I work at and I play at all the time is directly below me. So like I don't get a whole lot of space to get away from that. That's a tough one, man. Your living quarters is what gives you anxiety. Yeah. But so lately, though, 
I've gotten like more comfortable, but it's also made people frustrated because sometimes I don't feel like other than playing and like, you know, hanging out at home, I haven't really wanted to do as much stuff going out because I feel like for so long I was just traveling and I was doing this, that, and the other. We're like coming home and just kind of like de-stressing and just like being like, hey, you know, it's kind of cool that I'm able to have an apartment. And I'm able to like live in a space that has things. Man, yeah, I I read this book about this. Um, this is this he's so he's Jewish and he was born in Canada, but his parents are from Soviet Russia. They moved to Israel and then they moved here. But long story short, man, you want to talk about perspective? Like the parents of this cat. Man, they so they moved out of Soviet Russia because they didn't treat Jews well there. So they moved mm. to Israel. And fuck, man. Imagine having a kid, a baby. And I believe it was Iraq that started bombing Israel. Tel Aviv. And yeah. the parents were dealing with this shit, like trying to protect their kids of these bombings and worried every day that a chemical attack was about to happen. Like, that was a reality. That was this kid's fucking reality. The parents, they had such a small apartment, but they were out of Soviet uh, Soviet Union, Russia. I mean, that was, they were so happy to be out. And then all of a sudden, they start getting bombed. And now you have to protect your child. How do you protect your child of fucking bombs that are coming from the sky? You really can't. Yeah, that's a trip for sure. Like, Dude. I can't imagine that. And like, for me, like being adopted from Brazil... Like my yeah. parents adopted me definitely saved my life. Yes. And worldwide, like seeing things that are happening mm-hmm. and then knowing that my parents made that sacrifice to bring me here and my birth mother giving me up to be here. Those are the things that in a helpful way, smack me in the face sometimes Yes, and be like, Hey, stop being such a little bitch all the time. Like, man, you know, yeah. do you realize how good you have it? Like there's yeah, so many dude. people in this world, especially now with like inflation going up and all the mm-hmm. other crazy stuff that don't have apartments yes, dude. that they can come home to or like you, even sit down and do a podcast. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's so important to have like those perspectives in your mind so you can, dude, we're the 1% of the world, really. Like if you live in America, you, you're like the 1%. You have it pretty fucking good. I mean, read some stories overseas about what's going on. I, I, I should know this. I'm ashamed that I don't, but I, I forgot what country it is, but there was a ah, fuck, I think it was Iran, maybe, where there's a protest going on where the women's they took off their, um, do you know what it's called? Is it a hab, hajib? The stuff that's over hajib, their face? Hajib, I think it is. I think, yeah. I'm yeah. not sure. So there was like um, a group of protesters, maybe like, we're talking thousands. Are you aware of this story? No. Okay. So they they marched and they took the, their, their um, hajibs off and it just came out that their their voting system, like everyone in their office said, execute every single fucking one that took off and was in this protest. Every Jeez. single one. We're talking like tens of thousands of people. And they stated that they need to make um, they need to make it clear that you can't go against what the laws are. They have yeah. to wear fucking face shields, face covers, man. They have they can't show their lips or their fucking eyebrows. They have, I mean, dude, that's and you're gonna get killed if you take that off. That's what the type of shit we're talking about. And because your flight's 30 minutes fucking late, 
you're going to get pissed and start arguing at people because your airplane is fucking 30 minutes late? That I never got because, like, me, I'm a pretty patient dude most of the time. So I'm not, like, one of those. Like, I if I, if I get food and they bring it out and it's wrong, it takes every bone in my body Same here. To, to tell them that something's wrong. I'm like, yeah. I'll just eat it. I'll figure it out. Right, right. I'll make right. it work. And especially with flying all the time for music, let me tell you how many people on the airplanes, dude. When I had my bass guitar with me, would get so fucking mad when I oh walked on the plane. Really? They'd be like, "Fuck this dude." Are you serious? Yeah, and it, and it like was no inconvenience to them. Like they had like a closet where they could put my guitar in, and I would just like it wasn't a big deal. But there would because always be someone the- bitching. The two seconds that you're walking through the aisle, someone's giving you a dirty eye because you have a fucking guitar with you. Oh, yeah. And, like, some lady would make a comment or some dude would be like, oh, I don't want to sit next to, like, you know, me because I think they probably just assumed I was shit-faced. Because, I mean, when I was, you know, traveling, I was wearing, like, all the rings, the hat, like, the jacket, the boots, all that stuff. I definitely had, like, the the music look going. So, I, I sometimes I could get it, but... When I sat most to most people, I had like the best conversations I've ever had. Like it was very good, but there would always be this one asshole or two assholes that would complain. And then usually those same people that are complaining during COVID, especially would be pissed that they had to wear the mask and they'd be like, I'm not putting my mask on. And they'd be like, well, we can't take off until you do. So everybody, and I'm like, dude, I'm just trying to get to my show. Like, can you just fucking put it on? Let's all work together just to get, I mean, fuck dude, we're on an airplane. Normally this would take like a fucking horseback that would take 86 months and you won't even make it because you'll fucking die on the way there. Like we're in an airplane. Like, and even if, even if you like, aren't like, no one was like, let's be real. Everyone got tired of wearing the mask and didn't want to wear them. Right. But there was just certain places where it was just common courtesy to just like do it. Yeah. 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 And if they're not going to fly the airplane because one person's not wearing it, I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah, just like, don't be that dick. It's like it's like when you're at the bar. Yeah. Damn. Fuck, man. It's just, it's, I don't know. It's it's a lot. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, it just, but things like that used to stress me out a lot don't stress me out as much. Like Black Wednesday, someone who I don't know who it was, it was either a guy or girl, threw up in my DJ booth. Whoa. Yeah, and on my good leather jacket, too. So, like, I could have exploded, could have gotten super mad, but I didn't. I was just kind of like, fuck, man, who the fuck did this? Well, if you had control of your throw-up when you got anxiety, you should have just thrown up on her back, dude. I know. <laughs> but I didn't. That was always, like... Dude, there would be sometimes when I'd be playing down, a show downstairs where I would feel it coming, and I'd have to run up my apartment stairs. Oh, geez, vomit for like five minutes and then run back downstairs and play the rest of the show. That's a crazy life to live. It was awful for like about a year and a half. It was like that. Fuck, dude. That's a long time, man. It was. I was, was just, dude, it was bad. And then I felt bad because it stressed out my mom and stressed out my dad and my sister all the time. Like yeah. they were just there at one point it was getting really bad. Just like the, you know, the anxiety and the mental health stuff where they were just kind of. I like I did a will that like I got my will written out and they were just like okay so something happens you know that's how bad it got huh yeah it got pretty bad there what was there were some that dark times. experience like when you were writing out a will holy shit it was it was pretty not it was a sobering experience 
that's a very good way to put it because dude when you're writing a will i mean you you're thinking something's going to happen and like what happens to your belongings when you are gone so yeah i was just like sir i'm like my one buddy's gonna get all my music stuff my other buddy's gonna get all like my hockey collectible stuff and then yeah you know and then finally like i said after a while i just had like a conversation with myself and said dude we've got a lot of good things in our life that we should be super thankful super happy for let's start focusing more on the things that we're happy about and everything just started to ease up and then i started saying to myself like look when we play gigs we play dj gigs if there's a ton of people there awesome have fun if there is nobody there just enjoy it be happy that you get paid to do this and you know you don't have to sit in like an office all day that like obviously no disrespect to anyone who has like office jobs but it's just like for me i've never wanted to do that i've always just done music so be happy that i get the choice to like right do what i love to do for a living and enjoy it so it was a lot of like just i kind of had to help myself get through it what would you tell people that are going through like some severe anxiety and are just like they're stuck they're stuck in this place and they don't want to move but i mean like, what, don't what think you, you can just them? overcome come it all at once or all by yourself like talk to people because you find like one of the biggest things that helps me now which is an interesting story is uh wade one yeah. of the artists that i play for now we had a conversation last week that was one of the best conversations i've ever had he was one of those people like me who had never had anxiety and they were just like i gotta man up you know i gotta i can't be a pussy like you know especially in the music that we play like we play like in the outlaw country like hip-hop rock and roll field where it's just like everyone you know is a badass and we're just trying to do crazy you know rock and roll shit but we're also humans when we come home so it's like realizing that hey it's okay to like deal with all this stuff when we get home and he went through a traumatic loss as well like he lost um a family member that he was very close with and he said that's when the anxiety started for him mm. and you know we we like talk therapied it out like a week ago just about i you know i said i was going through the thing with my uncle he was coming off of a loss and he had just found out that another family member you know, had cancer, so he was dealing with that. And we both made a comment where we agreed. We're like, would you have thought that four years ago when we first met each other, when we were first playing, that we'd be sitting here talking about how talk therapy works? <laughs> no. And we're both like, no, there's not there's not a chance. Like where who we were then would have been like, oh, we gotta suck it up. We gotta, you know, not be pussies. We gotta you know, and I think that that's a big issue is men don't address mental health as well as they should. Agreed. And I'm a poster child for that fuck up for sure. But it's it's not like the media doesn't even cover it as much. Like people just think that it's, you know, swept under the rug. Well, what do you think it is about that? Because men really can't talk about their feelings without other guys. Do you think it's mostly other guys that talk shit about it? If guys are talking about feelings or is it women too? I think it's just history. I think if you look at like in the past of like different generations, people have been like, you know, you got to grow up to be a hard ass. You can't be soft. You got to. Yeah. And they die of heart attacks at the age of 50. Yeah. But 
like, I mean, both of them, my dad's dad was an old school Marine fought in the worst Marine battle of all time. He was an old school, hard ass dude. Yeah. So we never talked about anything and he never talked about anything. And then my mom, her dad, him and I were always super close and we just, I was able to tell him everything. So I think that like being able to have like, and I have a good, like, that's the one thing I'm happy with my parents too, is like, I pretty much tell them everything. Like, so we have that open dialogue. I mean, my mom and I are super, super close, but having that dialogue, I think is, it's big because I feel like over time and history, it was a sign of weakness for men to show vulnerability and being able to say like, Hey, I'm fucked up right now. Things aren't, you know, going well. Yeah. It's like a sign of you don't have it together. Yeah. Right. And I think for dating too, like for me, I think a lot of people have kind of seen me over the past couple of years and probably been like, man, that dude looks like a fucking train wreck. Like he looks like he's hanging out in the bars all the time, playing, you know, shows, traveling. I'm sure like that he drinks and does this and does that. Like, you know, I've heard crazy stories about just strictly by the optics. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I've heard, I've heard crazy stories about me before and I haven't even been in the same state when these alleged stories have happened. Oh, people just, just all like, speculation. Fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> people are people just being like, Oh yeah, that dude's gotta be, I'm a pretty chill person. If you get to know me, you I'm are. As, yeah, man. I'm not as nutty as everyone thinks that the music might make me, but it's, uh, and you know what? I've learned to also take that as like, not so much to heart when people say stupid shit like that. But I think that a lot of people, as they get older, especially when it comes to dating and they want to date someone, they look at it like a resume, like, okay, this person seems like it'd be a good person to have. Like, you know, in my life, people don't want to work through the issues together as much. I think, I don't think anymore. And I could be way wrong, but I feel like people just kind of want things on paper that already look like they're on the up and up. I think a big component is that because the divorce rate is so fucking high right now that back in the olden days, and I hate saying that because my kid just used that to me today when we were playing <laughs> we were playing arcade games at the library. They they like brought all these new or old arcade games like uh, Street Fighter, and you got super excited. <laughs> yeah, dude, I was so yeah. excited we were playing. He's like, "Is this what you used to play in the olden days?" I was like, "Oh fuck." <laughs> we reached that okay yeah but back in in let's i don't know maybe like the 40s 50s back then i feel like the relationships the marriages lasted longer because the man would work and the woman would stay home the woman could not make money to basically survive without a man yeah the social norms have changed completely a crazy amount yeah. so now a woman i mean they can work now right so i mean why the fuck would they stick why would they stay in a relationship that's toxic they wouldn't they can do everything themselves yeah and the music industry is the same way like you see so many female artists that are coming out now right and it's amazing to see it's great like i've always been a proponent of like i think it's great that you know you know women are able to do so many more things than they you know were able to do and i even say it to my friends too, like how far we've come in a short amount of time. Yeah. Cause like when I was playing in the South, you know, everyone's being awesome and great to me, but like, you know, 40 years ago, 
I can't use the same water fountain. Fucked up. You know, like even being like, you know, right. being from Brazil and people think some people think they're just like, oh, that's just like a white versus black thing. I was like, no, if you were like any kind of shade outside of, you know, white, they were like, no, absolutely not. Correct. So yeah. it's crazy to see the world develop a lot of it as a pro and then just seeing like, you know, women being able to get, be prominent members in the workplace. And I think that them having that now has kind of skewed people's thinking on both sides. Like people are kind of like, you know, getting married and having kids right away aren't really the forefront of everything like it used to be. Right, right. Because you have women and men who are focused on getting their career started and <laughs> yeah. accomplishing those achievements that they really want to get done and believe in. Have you ever seen the movie Idiocracy? I have. I hate to love that movie. I tell you, it gets more and more accurate as I get older, and I'm just get it. To be honest with you, it pisses me off. I haven't watched it in like four years. I just watched it again the other day, man. For those that haven't seen it, so like what Dan was just talking about, how like the educated people are like focused on their careers and not having kids right away. And you got some dumb fucks who just like to fuck all day or <laughs> like they're the reason for breeding. And now like in a few years time, the the population is overran by these, these dumb ass people who were just fucking all day. And now you have a society of dumb people <laughs> because the smart people were too busy, like trying to figure out what they want to do. And is it the right time to have a kid? And if they, if they're going to have a kid, I mean, like what should the kid do and just planning for everything? Yeah. And I wouldn't even say it's necessarily the people who like aren't smart that are doing it. Like there's just, I think in society, if we look at like different cultures and different groups of people, like people are still taught like, okay, you know, find someone, have kids and whatever, where I think what a lot of people need to start thinking of is like, okay, can I afford to have kids? Can I afford to have like their life be, you know, take being able to take care of them and being able to do things. Cause like you see certain families and obviously I'm not going to look down on anybody or say anything against anybody, but you look at families that have like 10 or 11 kids that can't afford the first kid. Yes. And then they get put into a system. And then, you know, the system for a lot of those kids is very unfair and not healthy. Oh, it fails them, dude. Yeah. Yeah. And it absolutely fails them. And then they don't get to do the, the things that maybe they would, you know, dream about doing. Mm -hmm. So I think it's crazy with that. I mean, that's as I get older, thinking about like, I obviously, I think one day, if I found the right person, I would totally be down to having a kid. But at this point in my life, I'm not, you know, seeing anybody and I'm not, that's not really like on my mind. That's the and problem, would, Dan. You're one of the smart ones, man. You're thinking about it too much. Just go out and have a kid. Just go fuck something and have kids, dude. <laughs> uh, dude, uh, to be honest with you, I'm so bad at dating. Like there's, I'm, there's so, I'm so far away from all those steps. It's bad. Like Me I'm too. super awkward in person. So like anytime that I am into someone and I try to tell them, it's just, it's so stupid. Do you ever try these dating apps or no? Yeah, I, that's actually worse. I, I was having a conversation with one of my best friends the other day about how the dating apps are destroying my self-esteem. <laughs> They're so bad, dude. So I'm trying to figure out like <laughs> if women 
don't like that I do the DJ thing at 36 and they don't like the visual of like, you know, me playing and me wearing all that shit and then like just touring in the shows. Cause I think a lot of people get this misconception that when we're playing and we're touring, that is just like a gigantic fuck fest. And it's just like, we're just doing crazy shit all the time. Right. 99% of the time we're sitting in a hotel room, just hanging out with each other just waiting to like get to the gig, play the gig and then travel to the next city or get the flight or whatever. So there's not even time to like investigate the city that we're like, we're playing in. So it's not as nutty as everyone thinks, but yeah, with these dating apps, I'm just like, I get on it and I like, you know, sometimes I see people that I know, but a lot of it I don't. So I'm just, you know, swiping my happy ass away. That's right. And like it'll be like two or three weeks, and I'll get like zero likes, and I'll be like, "What the fuck, bro?" I think in your case, I think the best scenario might be like meeting someone live. Yeah, I agree. Which I means I probably have to get out more. I think so. And then, because like, and the other thing is, I think a lot of people know of me, but don't know me, right? So I think they they just see that there's so many people that like know me or whatever, and they're just probably like, oh, I don't want to deal with all that. The dating game has changed, man. It's changed. I don't think for, I, I don't think for the better either. I agree, and I have a lot of friends that are of the opposite sex. Like, ah, I got you. So I've always been super close to my mom, so I think that's why, you know, sometimes I get along with having like a lot of friends that are girls, and obviously, like I have my dudes that I played you know, semi-pro with for football and all my hockey buddies and stuff. So I've always stayed close to them and everything. But I think like the things that people want in dating are different too. And I think like maybe I'm missing the mark where I'm just kind of want that old school, like, you know, relationship. That's me too, man. I don't, I think that's very hard to find nowadays, bro. Honestly, everything I see on, I don't know if it's tailored to me. It probably is, but everything on Instagram is just like women objectifying themselves. It's the last thing I want to fucking see. I don't, I don't like, dude, it's like overplaying a song. Like, dude, I love the song. I love the song when it first came out. Fuck. I loved the song for like three months. And then I found it on Kaza and I downloaded it and I fucking listened to it every single day. And now I'm fucking over it. I don't want to see your ass shaking anymore. <laughs> don't like dude it's overplayed it's all i fucking see yeah i mean i'm <laughs> i don't know i'm kind of back and forth like i'm all for everyone like male and females having like all the expression of themselves and like themselves sexually as well like i think it's you know a beautiful thing to do that the thing that i don't like that gets me isn't some like isn't that like i can deal with like you know, the ass shaking and like the booty stuff and just like <laughs> a girl being very into herself sexually. I think that that's a really cool, beautiful thing. I'm, I'm cool with that. The thing that I don't like is when you get to talking to a person and they say that they're into you, you're into them. And then you see them in the same space and they're like just making out with everybody and their cousin. Whoa. And kissing like everybody in the room. That's a turn off for me. What's like, that can, all about? I don't know. I have no idea, but I can handle like all the other shit. Like I'm all for it. Like dude, dress it however the fuck you want to dress. Don't let anyone tell you how to dress, how to look, how to be like, I don't give a shit about any of that. It's just like, 
more of just the communication. Like I feel like people have really shitty communication these days. And I feel like people are afraid of getting fucked over so much mm. now that they're fucking themselves over and other people. They don't like let things have a chance to like, you know, like planting a seed, like have it like water it and grow. It's like a they force just, field. Like they keep such a, I feel like they just want everything right now. They want it to be like, okay, we're talking, we're in a relationship. This is who I want it to be. And if you know, this or that happens, then it's over or I can't, Oh, you know, it just, it just seems like society wants everything to happen so quickly now. Like people are very in and out or they think that like, if you started talking to someone that they're probably already talking to like 30 other people when there's some people out there that I think are just like down for having like a one-on-one, like, let's see where this goes kind of thing. That seems like the uh, American mentality finally caught up into the, the dating realm. Because I mean, dude, like we want things like yesterday. Like I want that car now. I want that article of clothing now. Like, why don't I have it? I don't want to wait a week. Seems well, like my, caught up. My DJ sets have changed too, because before I used to be able to play like eh, three fourths of a song, maybe, maybe a little oh, bit more than right. half, half of a song. Oh shit. Oh, I, shit. I, I play, <laughs> I play in certain venues. They want like a 30 second clip mixed into another song. And like, even in the music industry, dude, there's not the same amount of bangers as there was like during the 2000s hip hop era. So it's just like, I run out of songs. I'm like, oh, fuck. That seems like the TikTok mentality, like eight seconds and then on to the next thing. Yeah, I have a TikTok. I have two videos. I'm in one of them. I haven't posted (laughs) on it in two years. I deleted my shit. I'm an asshole because that's like the one old man thing I am about. I'm just like... I get that TikTok is great and it's good for exposure. It's good for all this stuff, but I don't want anything that I sit there and watch Oof, and scroll yeah, through I know. for hours on end. Like I'd rather try to like Ugh. read something, watch something or like write. So like I used to write all the time. Like writing was very big for me. It's so beneficial, man. It, it And it like, it helps get a lot of like, it's another form of therapy. Good God. Yeah. I think, yeah, that, that might be the key, dude. There's a lot of that missing from our society. Like we're just so get onto the social media and numb out and just like look at all these mindless videos to where you don't have to think. You just kind of like see some dumb shit and just yeah. zone out. And I'm not talking like, shit to like any of the TikTokers. It out is there what it people is. People who are super into it. Like you're into whatever you're into and you're yeah, allowed yeah. to do that. And you should by all means, if that's what you want to do, do it. But it got funny because we were trying to book a tour and our agent was telling us like she was trying to put us on this tour or trying to get me to book all these TikTok people. Mm. And like that was the forefront of what they were trying to book. They weren't trying to book us as much. They're like, well, well, the TikTok thing's huge. So you guys should probably get TikToks and like maybe we'll figure it out. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Yeah. But that's, you know, that's just how society is and that's another thing like with getting older is I feel like certain times, like with some of this shit, just like, <laughs> there's the old man coming out. Some I'm of like, this shit. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, man, I missed the train on some of this shit. And I don't understand why like it's as big and cool as it is. But then I try to like have perspective. Like one of our bartenders that we have, I'm super close with her name's Abby. So shout out to her. She's very good at, putting me in my place when it comes to just like where things are at society wise and just kind of 
Yeah, yeah. Because, like, we had our the last two years, we had our birthdays together. And she's 23 now, and I'm, you know, 36. So there's a giant age gap. So we kind of, like, bounce ideas off of each other when it comes to, you know, what ideas to have about certain things. And it's it's a very healthy, like, cool communication kind of thing. Yeah, you need that. Yeah. And that's, like, one of the things that I'm trying to say is, like, I mean, still still go on talk like TikTok and still do your shit and still do other stuff. And I'm saying that I feel like people forget how good like just one on one conversations are or how good talk therapy can be or how good writing shit out can be. I just don't want to ever see people get away from it so much that we break down communicating like fully. Yeah, well, I'm glad we're doing it, man. I mean, it it helps. It definitely. Yeah, man, dude, I love being on here and talking to you. It's definitely good. And like. You know, last conversation, I felt pretty good. And, you know, I'm in a better place now since the last one. So amazing. Yeah, that's all we can ask for, man. It's just you're trending the right direction. I mean, that's all we can ask for, dude. Just, I mean, if you do digress, I mean, do what you can, like catch it, understand what it is, and then try and get your shit back on track and move forward. I mean, well, you, dude, figuring out the triggers has definitely been the number one thing. So I would say, cute. like, yeah. Anyone that has really bad anxiety, figure out things or situations or groups or people that trigger your anxiety often. Will it be apparent or maybe not? It won't be at first, but I think if you think about it more and you take yourself out of certain environments, you realize it. Like for me, I realized that a couple of friendships I had weren't really beneficial for me. Mm you know, mentally, it was always a stressful thing. Like, you know, so-and-so always had like 24 seven dramatic things always happening that I somehow got like roped into all the time. And I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm not doing this. I don't want to do this. Yeah. And it's selfish kind of at some time to be like, okay. Cause you know, you still have like love for people, but sometimes you're just like, I have to do what's best for me and take a step back and, you know, figure it out. And for me, my anxiety I feel like someone's pouring boiling water on my brain from like the front part of my head, like the middle. And that's how I know a panic attack's coming. I'm like, oh, fuck. This, I know what's coming in about five minutes. That's the thing, though. You can feel it. You can feel the the onset coming, dude. You Like something weird happens to your overall being right before it happens. Yeah, your shit gets fucked up. And your I think it gets fucked up. And I think that like, <laughs> I think that one of the big things for me, though, is like I said, like, figuring out all those triggers and just yeah like there's certain days where i just stay upstairs because i feel like if i go out and i go downstairs or i drink or i do this or that i'm gonna something's gonna set my trigger off and then i'm gonna be miserable or like if i can tell like i've had too much fun over the weekend with my friends you know drinking and shit and i could feel that coming then i'm like okay i need to next couple days i need to take take off from being around that and just kind of chill relax or t- talk to my mom more or talk to family more or facetime my niece and nephew or mm. just like healthy things that like make you feel happy yeah man yeah that's that's good advice the the management of things is so huge and yeah finding out those triggers i mean like you said it may not be apparent but I feel like deep down you probably have a good sense of like what's good for you and what's not good for you. Yeah, and then like People I think too is when you realize that you're like 
in the bad portion of it, it's okay to admit that you realize that you're in the bad portion of it. Cause like I got home from my last tour and just was not in a all right place. Just had so much stuff going on. And then my drummer was like, Hey, I need you. We have four new songs coming out. I need you to like literally sit and practice your bass all the time and get ready for the next tour. And I mentally could not pick up my bass and play a note. Ugh, God. I was just so... It's a gross feeling, too, because you feel gross. That's a spiral right there, man. Oh, no, I was spiraling for sure. Yeah. And I, like, couldn't... And that's, like, when the house... with the wellness call happened and shit. Ah. And and it was just, like... I couldn't get it together. And then I learned... There's some stuff that I had to forgive myself, like, with the festival and other shit. I had to like come to terms with some things and deal with them. And once I dealt with them, I felt so much better, but that caused a tour. Like I didn't get to go on the next tour because they, they didn't need me. Mm. But if I would have been on top of my shit, they would have taken me out. Yeah. So I'm happy that now we're actually talking about doing a reunion of the three of us next year. So I get like another chance, but my head is definitely um, in the right place right now. It's good. There's this thing that I've just been like repeating in my mind and kind of like living is that you cannot buy experience. You can't. You cannot fucking buy experience. So you have to you have to put yourself in these situations. You have to get out there and live a little bit. I mean, when you do that, when you go experience things, you'll have stories. Stories make you feel good because you can communicate with people. And when you communicate with people, you find that you have things in common. And when you go out there into the real world and you go experience things, you meet people. You'll meet people that you never knew existed. And these people will become your best friends. Like potentially your best friend is out there. Your wife is out there. Your girlfriend is out there. Like you'll learn <laughs> things. You can't, you cannot not experience things because you, you, you could just be throwing all that shit away. And a lot of people just love living to buy things like buy objects buy gifts buy like the new car new yada 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 backpack i don't fucking know well fuck the new car shit because that's just like so expensive now i don't even that's not even a a thought in my mind i'm just like but i agree with you fully i think that you know we're sometimes we get in too much of a material society where you have to have the next greatest iphone you have to have the next newest car or people won't like you as much if you don't have a house or Mm -hmm. like I'm 36 and I had a like conversation with one of my really close friends (coughs) and they were like, like, don't you want to save more money so you can get a house? Mm. And I'm like, at this point in my life, I don't really like need to get a house. Like my apartment is a thousand square feet. I have a guest room. I have a regular room, you know, it's all I need for my dog, my cats and myself right now. If I get to a position where I need more, then I'll go out and do the things necessary to obtain it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm always saving money to try to like get to better myself and do other things, but it's not really necessarily materialistic things. And, you know, like I said before, if it wasn't for like the fans and the people who support me and who have stayed through, you know, the the good times, the bad times, the heavy highs, the heavy lows, you know, one, I wouldn't be playing music Two, probably wouldn't still be alive. You know, like those are the material things for me are the people 
the people are what matter to me. Like having new shit and doing like cool stuff is awesome. But like, I love having people in my life that, you know, I go out and I meet or I, uh, you know, form new friendships with. Yeah, man. You know, I, I feel like those are the most priceless and lucrative things that you can have in life is just experience and living. And if you have good experiences, love it and enjoy it. When you have bad experiences, try to learn from it and try to not think that that's just, you know, going to be the worst day and nothing's ever going to get better. Because it most certainly won't be. I mean, yeah, things will always get better as long as you let it get better. Let's end it off there, man. It's fucking beautiful. God, this is a great oh, yeah, conversation, yeah. bro. I appreciate you being here, man. You got anything coming up? Um, I am currently working on my buddy Travis and my buddy Montana Suede and I are going to be sitting down in the next couple of weeks and we're doing a record together. Nice. And we're throwing it under the Danny Vintage name for now, but it might be something else. So that is something that I'm super excited about, super awesome about. I'm actually working on doing a, not necessarily a stand-up thing, but I want to, basically a lot of stuff we talked to, talked about here, I want to do like a storytelling thing where I talk about, you know, being adopted, all mm-hmm. those things that I went through with finding out, you know, that I was, I was someone that was adopted and going through the early days of music and then the touring stuff and then just funny stories that have happened to me with DJing and being in the music industry and the bar industry. Cause there's a lot of stories over the years. So I definitely want to do that at some point next year and eventually just wor- uh, work on writing some more stuff. Wonderful, man. Go ahead and shout out what your social media is and how people can find you. I'm at the real Danny vintage. That's the best spot to find pretty much all of my social media stuff or what I'm doing show wise or where I'm going to be on Facebook, uh, Danny vintage. I have a page for that. Um, if you know me personally, you can feel free to add me on my personal Facebook. I post a lot of stuff on that. You'll have to figure out what my full name is. (laughs) Um, but yeah, dude, thank you so much for having me on. And I also love seeing like all the stuff that you have going on, you know, with all the people that are coming on and, just the differences of people and the difference of conversations happening. I think it's a beautiful thing. Thanks, man. Yeah, there's a lot of value to I try to get someone new on every time, but I mean, I love reoccurring. Like when you come on, I mean, you got so many stories and shit, and there's so much value to take away. Like if if the people at home didn't get any value from this conversation, uh, <laughs> something ain't right. <laughs> yeah, I hope people have enjoyed it and they get a little, I mean, it's showing a little glimpse of like me and how I am. I think if we do this again, I definitely want to do it when I'm getting ready to do like the stand up slash story thing just so I can work it out and get it out and just hear your thoughts on it. 100%, man. You're always welcome here. 100%. So just hit me up. We'll, we'll do this again when you're ready. I look forward to it, man. Danny Vintage. Appreciate Hell you, yeah. man. Thank you, brother. Oh, and I'm playing my first hockey game on thursday let's go (laughs) i broke my leg so we'll see how that goes awesome man let me know how it goes brother well i haven't skated since so we'll see (laughs) (laughs) yes we will yes we will 
All right, Danny. Appreciate you, man. Everyone at home, take care. Thanks for listening. Hey, much love, brother.